Welcome to Mystical Musings, October 19th, 2014, here in the library of the Colorado Heights University, the highest place in the Mile High City. With Myron McClellan and me, Lawrence Phillips. Those of us who identify as spiritual but not religious, who are non-sectarian, non-denominational, non-doctrinaire, are the fastest growing demographic of the sacred communities in America today. Thank you for joining us for creating our community of mystics, people finding unity with God, the breath of life, the gentle whisper, the great spirit as a community of mystics who know spiritual apprehension of truths that are beyond the intellect. I am because we are. I am because we are one, celebrating body and spirit. As mystics on a journey of awareness, we are consciously cultivating a sense of lightness. Which attitudes and perspectives grow this lightness in our lives? What is the benefit of bringing lightness to our spiritual path? What are the obstacles? Today we share steps that lead to lightness at this disturbing time in human evolution. What about lightness in relationship to ourselves? Can we have a sense of lightness with our fears, our anger, our griefs? And how about lightness with others? What about when we're charged emotionally? Can we bring a sense of lightness to our emotional patterns with ourselves and with others? How can we bring a light touch to prayer and meditation and to the practice of manifestation. We offer some practical teachings to bringing lightness to our everyday lives. Thank you for joining us today. Notice what you're leaving behind. What did you leave behind today? Especially the difficult stuff. Usually the difficult stuff is rooted in some feelings and most likely anger or fear or grief that's incomplete, unfelt. Notice what you're leaving behind. From earlier this day, yesterday, the week, the month to date, the year to date, consciously, consciously letting go of what is weighing you down with three fuller breaths right now. On the exhale, letting it go, just sending it out the windows. 
So one of the tools for bringing a sense of lightness is to bring lightness to your breath, to movement, using our capacity for embodied learning to intentionally evoke lightness. So when you exhale, hold the breath out for a moment. Just press it out, not so that you're straining or choking, obviously, but just hold it out for a moment. Wait for the breath to come in. Wait for the need to breathe. And notice when you hold the breath out just a little bit, notice the response of the body, how it is to feel that filling after you've waited for the need to tell you to breathe. One can, using such a simple technique, evoke a sense of lightness with the breath, with the breath, our interface with spirit. Breath itself, the word, comes from the Latin spiritus, and it is our interface with the great spirit. And many of you know the technique of the first plane awareness of simply bending just a little bit in your seat and then lifting above the horizon just a little bit. It is easier if you uncross your legs, but please be, feel free to do it as you wish. You're just bending a little bit below the horizon and a little bit above the horizon. Above the horizon where we don't often hang out. And notice what it's like to come above the horizon. That little bit of a sense of lightness that is evoked simply by shifting our habitual pattern of being below the horizon chronically. Simply noticing in whatever position you are, just coming a little bit above the horizon and sensing that sense of lightness that is evoked in lengthening your body just a little tiny bit. So there's a sense of lightness evoked with the breathing. There's a sense of lightness evoked with the first plane awareness, the sagittal plane, where you're simply lifting yourself just a gentle bit above the horizon where we don't tend to hang out very much. And then soften your eyes. We look a great deal, but we don't often gaze. Letting yourself gaze for a moment, letting the outer world come to you rather than you go to the outer world, not wide-eyed, but soft-eyed, and really soften your eyes as if you're looking through your eyelashes, noticing how it is rather rare for us to look at the world through softened eyes, noticing that you can feel internally when your eyes are looking. So look outside and look to see something and then soften your eyes. Noticing the difference, eyes are muscles too. So softening your eyes to let the gaze come in rather than the look. And we know from touch that people can come to us with a firmer touch or a lighter touch. You can touch one hand with a firmer touch where you're really touching the hand firmly, or you can bring the lightest possible touch to your other hand. Just the lightest touch. 
And just noticing the clear difference between the two as you touch one hand and then the other. One is firmer and one is very lightly. You're barely touching the other hand. And the same is so for internally. We have an internal touch sense, and it's called kinesthesia, the sense of the body as experienced from within. It's the sense of movement, of position in space, of breathing. And if you slouch a little deliberately, deliberately do it wrong for the moment, and just feel the effect of the slouch. Just feel how you're compressing your lungs, even around the heart, sitting on the diaphragm, stopping the internal organs from their freedom, noticing your attitude toward that consciously now. And then let yourself oscillate for a moment, a little bit above the horizon and a little bit below. Just bring some movement to that slouch. And just not much, but enough that you feel the lengthening, enough that you evoke a sense of lightness in posture, a sense of length, no matter what position you're in, even leaning over, just flexing and extending just a little bit. Just feel the effect of the length internally of what that is in your body right now. Noticing the sense of lightness that is evoked with that gentle moving of oscillation. Our tendency culturally is to fixate. We fixate with our attention. Let your embodiment assist you with that tendency toward fixation by gently oscillating just a little above and below the horizon. Oscillation, a great antidote to heaviness when it happens in our lives a way to evoke a sense of lightness. Just sitting a little taller, but not position, not necessarily military, but movement, oscillation. Even if you think it, if you're thinking movement, you're firing the neurons and the muscle fibers connected with the pattern of action. So you can think flexion extension. You can think bending extending, and you are firing those neurons. Very good for people who've been injured. Frown for a moment. Frown. Just notice the frown. Really, your frown. Now, I know it's hard to do when we're intentionally wanting to do it, but let yourself frown for a moment. Mm, notice the frown. No, don't be happy about it. Frown. <laughs> Just frown. And notice the attitude that gets conveyed with the frown. Yeah. Notice what happens internally when the jaw is set and the frown is present. And now let yourself just with the slightest little smile, the least smile, a Mona Lisa smile, just the least little smile that you can smile. And notice the difference in attitude. Notice what happens when you have a little bit of a smile. Yeah. And now go back to the frown just for a moment lest you forget. And then smile. 
noticing the attitude that is almost immediate between the two. So evoking a sense of lightness using our embodiment. The first plane awareness of flexion extension very slightly above and below the horizon. The softening of the eyes. Gazing, not looking. Moving and breathing. Using the need breath. Pressing the breath all the way out. And waiting for that wonderful sense of breath to come through the entire body. And conscious smiling. Tools to evoke a sense of lightness. Thank you, bless you, welcome. So pleased to see all of you today. And hopefully we will leave today a little bit lighter than when we got here. The day of the heaviness, the day of the seriousness, those are passing. Those are old codes. Okay. Thank you. We are going to talk, I'm going to talk later about the new codes because this is a time when a shift is happening that's very significant. So glad that you're here to share this moment with us. Namaste.
Thank you, Myron. Beautiful, spontaneous compositions that take 65 years to create and are assisted by you. A little recent cultural gem, a sense of lightness, picked up by the media, providing a timely addition to our topic today. As reported in the Denver Post last Thursday, Nigel the Parrot, who as his name suggests has been speaking British, left home, flew to flew the coop as it were, for four years. But courtesy of a microchip confirmation, Nigel has been reunited with his steward, but now instead of talking with a British accent, probably want to crack a, maybe more a biscuit, <laughs> now speaks Spanish. <laughs> Pale quiere una galeta? That just tickled me when I saw that. I thought, oh, you guys are going to just love it. <laughs> Nigel the parrot. Given the heaviness of the world and in the media these days surrounding us all of late, we're quite in need of a sense of lightness. And so these gems came to me recently, courtesy of our dear friend Rav Ifker. The Washington Post Mensa Invitational once again invited readers to take any word from the dictionary, alter it by adding, subtracting, or changing one letter, and supply a new definition. Here are some of the winters, uh, winners. Glibido, all talk, all talk no action. <laughs> Arachnoleptic fit. The frantic dance performed just after you've accidentally walked through a spider web. <laughs> I have done that <laughs> any number of times. Oh my goodness. Carmageddon. It's like, it's like when everybody is sending off all these really bad vibes, right? It's then like the earth explodes and it's like a serious bummer. <laughs> One more. <laughs> Decathlon. The grueling event of getting through the day consuming only things that are good for you. <laughs> we are coming upon Halloween, All Saints Day, Harvest's End, and All Souls Day. The period of time when the veil between our embodied world and the spirit world is very thin. This is a time when spirit can be more present, whether of the ancestors, those who've gone before, spirit guides, or the great spirit. A great time through whatever portal for all good mystics to contemplate spirit. In order to keep my pessimistic, as you know, and Myron is the optimistic, um, in order to keep my, keep my pessimistic in check, uh, at least somewhat, I intentionally seek out positive evidence, an uplifting resonance of transformation, a sense of lightness on the mass level, not just in the small scale and personally, but with the serious possibility of mass transformation, and hence our monthly segment, Incipient Evidence for Mass Positive Transformation. With this much, month's candidate being the many hearts through our culture and around the world opening with unprecedented speed to gay people. Yeah. Full disclosure, I am a gay man. Don't tell Myron. 
we used to be an extreme other, condemned really from the beginning of recorded history, in human form but somehow subhuman, three-fifths of a person, the dread abomination. Really, to most, it was such until quite recently. In the mid-20th century, potential entrapment with public humiliation, bodily threat, and prison, even death was the potential norm for many gay people. It was illegal to be who we were born being in most societies of the world. Profound positive changes in attitudes toward gay people have been washing over American society as well as Europe and Latin America within a time frame unthinkable until very recently. To be sure, the changes are an overnight phenom that has taken at least decades, if not millennia, to unfold. And these transforming attitudes represent a sense of lightness about the possibility of profound change, wherein none was even thought possible. Today, it is legal to love and be gay in over 113 countries. Gay marriage or civil unions are recognized in 36 countries. It is no longer acceptable in most of the Western countries to be homophobic. Gay life in China is now legal and in the cities no longer underground. The South African constitution is very pro-gay. Most Argentines and Brazilians are by far pro-gay. Thailand is more open to transgender people than are we in the West. The millennials are leaning the way again, this time in South Korea. Only 16% of the people over 50 accept gay people, but among the 18 to 29-year-olds, over 70% are fully accepting. With the recent Supreme Court decision upholding a series of lower court ruling, rulings, a majority of Americans now enjoy the right to marry as they choose, including here in Colorado. Massachusetts pioneered gay marriage in 2004, though Hawaii started the ball rolling with its failed first state consideration of marriage in 1998. The Bay State Revolution ignited a backlash across America with more than 30 states enshrining in their constitutions one man, one woman. As recently as 2008, our president opposed gay marriage. And yet today, a majority of Americans support gay marriage despite a 1967 Supreme Court decision making interracial marriage legal, it was not until the 1990s that a majority of Americans agreed. With the extraordinarily swift change in public opinion regarding gay marriage, one is hard pressed to find a precedent. Said the economist in a recent cover story, for homosexual Americans, it is not just a new era, it is a new country. Moral disapproval has shifted dramatically. By 2013, more than 60% had no moral problem with same-sex relations. Again, The Economist. Given that America, like most places, has viewed homosexuality as wicked since more or less the beginning of time, approval by a wide majority represents a watershed not just in contemporary politics, but in cultural history. To be sure, there are places where we are not welcome. Iran hangs us. Saudi Arabia stones us. Gay sex is illegal in 80 countries and some have recently passed laws making gay life even more difficult. Nigeria, Uganda, Russia. 
And there are emissaries from the West supporting homophobia in Africa. Gay life in rural India is hell. But despite being illegal, gay life in Indian cities is much easier than ever these years. We have thanks to offer for the dying off of the anti-gay traditionalists, the transforming openness of the millennials, and the Internet's allowing of minorities emergence from the shadows. We have thanks to offer those who fought for civil rights from the 50s onward. We thank the feminist waves, and we especially thank those brave souls who simply came out over the decades to those near and dear to them. In 1985, fewer than 25% of Americans said they had any gay friends, relatives, or colleagues. In 2013, that number leapt to 75%. Even though there are those who remain opposed, few candidates for state government and a governor on either side are promising to overturn the acceptances. There is slowly becoming a conservative narrative supporting gay marriage and families. And this continues to change everything that in a brief 20 years ago was inconceivable. After all, we are not demanding special treatment, just equal treatment to love whom we please and to marry whom we love. Marriage evokes the heartfelt intention to have and to hold from this day forward. Marriage also evokes the long ago promise of a community of revolutionaries, some amongst the mystics more than two centuries ago, pledging their lives, their fortunes, and sacred honor that all are created equal a notion that has grown organically over the centuries, verifying the nature of our better angels, the good and compassionate heart, and a lightness of being that is at the core of the founder's revolutionary incrementalism that arcs the universe toward acceptance, openness, and love. Hence, the amazing journey of hearts opening to gay people the world over as this month's candidate for incipient evidence for mass positive transformation. We honor the place in you wherein the entire universe dwells. We honor the place in you which is of love, of truth, of light, of peace. As you are in that place in you and we are in that place in us, with a sense of lightness, we are one. Namaste. So now you tell me. My gosh, some of Better you Better late than never. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll have to go through some shifts around that. <laughs> uh, this has been a very virulent Mercury in retrograde. Very virulent. And Mercury in retrograde means that all kinds of communications fail. So they... They take away your website. (laughs) They take away your email. Today, I was communicating with the piano and the pedal broke. My hearing aids went bad, so I couldn't hear anybody. It's all communication. So it's been kind of heavy (laughs) these last two or three weeks, which gives us a lot of practice 
at bringing light in and lightening up ourselves, which is much easier to do than I thought it would be. Just a shift in attitude. It's just a little practice where you can say to a thought, I do not want to thank you. Any heavy thought, it's our choice. It isn't our choice what thoughts come, but while we react to them, and it's very easy to dismiss useless negative thinking. Much easier than ever. And it brings a lot of joy and a lot of laughter and deepens our sense of humor. And as Kubler-Ross said, the, the surest sign of God what is joy. Is joy. That's how we know we're tuned in. So today I want to comment on some things that Lawrence and I have been learning through our experience this last month. Again, a heavy month, so we were required to bring in more lightheartedness. So two extraordinary events came about, mystical events came about for me in this last month. One was the experience and a felt perception of feeling old codes fall away. Now, when I have a big event like that, I want to go see my friend Karen Van Landingham, who is a very great mystic and whose path is very parallel to mine. She understands me completely. I understand her completely on a spiritual level. So I like to check these things out. So Mark and I went up to see her. And the whole time, Karen and I had the experience of these old codes just being taken away. And it was a felt perception, tangible. Then I went to see her again. And the new codes were being installed. And it was such an expansive experience. Karen said at the end of an hour and a half or end of two hours, she said, are we even on the same planet? (laughs) Because it felt that expansive. These new codes, I think, have to do with codes for receiving and allowing. So... We're into a place where we want to empty out anything in us or in our environment or in our relationships that any way stifle the lightheartedness coming in with the new codes. So on a physical level, I found myself almost manically going through the house and throwing away old things. And throwing away books that I'll never read again. Some of them are in Latin, for heaven's sake. (laughs) I just uh, can't 
get rid of enough stuff, it seems. This is a long project for me. I've only been at it for a couple of weeks, and we have so many bags that we can't even keep them in our house. We've got to get them off to Goodwill. And if I'm doing it, many of you are doing it too. <laughs> I just know that that's in the air, right? Get rid of any impediments so we can have more spaciousness. Because that's what we want, is spaciousness so we can receive. Now, last week I emphasized two things that I want to repeat that work against our opening to our own souls and to the glory and wonder and the beauty and the humor of life. One is misuse of the intellect faculty so that we go to our heads to make decisions because that's just our habit. And our intellect isn't the place to go. It doesn't know how to deal with this. And so it likes to have these things come to it because it loves complexity. It loves complications. It loves problems and solving them. And it loves bringing up old stuff and bringing up stuff that you have no business thinking about. So when we find ourselves in the moment of a big decision, we just simply go to our heart and our heart because these are where we make our decisions from, from our gut and from our heart. And it makes all the difference in the world. So we have sovereignty over our thinking mind so that when something comes up that's going to create clutter, we just say, no, I'm not going there. It's really that easy. It's really that easy. Another place that we have been held back and that I want to talk about again, we talked about last time, is victim consciousness. And victim consciousness really tells us that no one is really on our side. It tells us that life is really difficult. It tells us we have no power. It tells us that it's everyone's fault but our own. And so we get stuck in a place that has no freedom, no power, because the moment you are a victim of any thought, any feeling, or any person, you have no power. You're completely disempowered. So those things, I repeat because I keep wanting to hear myself say it so that I'll learn it better. So when I repeat myself, believe me, it's not because I think you don't get it. It's because I want to get it again and have it supported by you. So, okay. So it's surprising how many times in little ways, we play the victim. Okay. Oh, it's snowing today. 
<laughs> and I was going to go out. Oh, Mother Nature is playing a trick on me again. So that also stifles us tremendously. Now, again, what we're wanting to do in order to be lighthearted is to create a sense of spaciousness in ourselves, a sense of openness in ourselves. And we can't do that unless we are in the moment. Now, the fact that the codes are changing. Now, if they're changing for me, they're changing for you. And the new codes do not allow us to fight with life or to argue with it or to bargain with it. That's all the old order. So what we do instead is open-heartedly and open in our hara, open-heartedly allow everything that's coming into us in our lives to be there. And then our choice is around how we're going to react. Now, in order to do that kind of receiving, we have to believe or know, because we can know this, that everything is going according to plan that there's nothing wrong. When we get into there's something wrong, you can be sure we're into the negative ego and the intellect. There's nothing wrong. Everything that comes to us is a gift, whether it feels that way or not. Whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, it's there for a reason. And if we can have that faith, then we really welcome in life no matter what it is, and we open up to its richness and its variety. And also, as Lawrence and I have been experiencing, as we do this, we really get more in the moment when we are just conscious of what's coming in and welcoming it, not knowing particularly why it's there, because if we ask why, we're back up here again. When it's time for us to know why, it will be revealed to us. A higher self will let us know. So in the moment, expanding into the moment, we make no demands on it. It doesn't have to be this kind of moment or that kind of moment. That just gets us back into drama, which impedes lightness coming in. It impedes joy coming in. It impedes laughter. It impedes smiling. So the moment is what the moment is, and it's huge if we are empty enough to receive it. So I have just said that in, our, in relationship to our mind, we have choice. When it comes up, we can say, I don't want to go down that path. I've done there, been there, done it. I don't want to, I know where this leads. And this kind of attitude, I think, is also helpful when the inner critic comes up. 
because most times, 90% of the time, when the inner critic comes up, it's about something we did that we regret or something that we don't think we'll get in the future because of the fact that there is something wrong with us. That we can go there so easily. There's something wrong with me. I'm not adequate. I don't get it. I've made all the wrong decisions in my life. So that critic, we can also speak back to. It's just that easy. Say, hey, I'm not going there. And what I do, my little technique that I use throughout the day, since my critic is an active one, I, uh, I just smile and take a breath and look up because that makes me happier. But it can be done easily we, with the new codes. Now, we've been a victim of that inner critic for far too long. <laughs> Or maybe just the perfect amount of time we've been victim to it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you guys are just too sharp. So now we have the opportunity to make a difference. Okay? And giving ourselves lightheartedness, treating ourselves with lightheartedness, with humor and with joy. With lightheartedness comes humor, a great sense of humor and a deepening of it, and an infusion of joy. We can do that with ourselves. There is a way in which we can be lighthearted, in our encounters with one another, in our relationships. And one of the best ways to do that is to notice how you are feeling around that person and notice if that person has hurt your feelings or made you angry or scared you or doing any of those things that we think we are a victim of and instead of reacting and saying, I'm so angry, you just go inside and have your anger, which is called responding. Going inside and having your anger, because that's your feeling. It's not theirs. The anger is yours, so it doesn't need to be acted out on the other person. And it clears the air and it makes the connection much more lighthearted. We take responsibility for our feelings. And also, with regard to our feelings, we don't need to be heavy and serious. Heavy and serious closes us down. And often, what does that is some emotion that's coming up that is really heavy. And so, what we want to do with that emotion is let it come through us. Let that wave come through us. So, as Churchill said, if you're going through hell, keep going. Okay. 
<laughs> it's like, if you're going through anger, let it keep going. Okay? That way, we don't bring it into our consciousness and cause more clutter. Because what happens, if you won't feel the anger, is that it goes underground, brings up reinforcements, and comes back up. It will come up much with much more strength. So we just want to let that wave move through us and surround it with light. So even that there is not a heavy feeling there, there is a, that there is a heavy feeling there, there's a light way in which we can address it. And then it doesn't get stored. So what we're wanting to do is go through things that clutter emotionally that we have. Another place where there is clutter that we're wanting to clear out so we can be more lighthearted in our everyday life is around our body. And Lawrence has already given you all of those clues. But also around our prayer life and our meditation life. So if we are in a contracted space, when we pray some, for someone, that's what I'm talking about, praying for someone, that contracted space doesn't let the light go out far enough. So there are some people in our lives that are going through a very, very hard time. And in, we found this month, as things shifted, as these new codes began to manifest, that we prayed for them, not with a heavy heart and not with fear, we prayed for them with joy. We prayed for them and knowing whatever they're going through is going to lead to something huge. It's going to bring about a gift. It's going to bring about an expansion. And I think those prayers are more efficacious. And in the, in the meditation times, when I sit down really to just be quiet, and we must do this, I smile. Sometimes it's a half smile, but it is a smile when I meditate. And it's easy to smile. You don't use very many muscles. You use a lot more muscles to frown. Is that right? Yes, okay. <laughs> I can't get over this new revelation. <laughs> Someone could have told me. <laughs> so, spaciousness in our prayers, lightheartedness in our meditation, lightheartedness in our relationship to people. Because if you are lighthearted and you're standing up the way Lawrence says, then no matter how down someone is, it will lift them. And I know there are a lot of counselors and teachers in here, and that's one of the things we can do for people who are just way down, is we bring forth our own joy and our own lightheartedness and don't acknowledge the heaviness. Whatever they want to do, whatever, we'll, we'll respond to it. But we'll respond to it with hope. 
And that takes the faith that everything is going according to plan. And this is, we're moving forward. And we're moving forward into new codes that we've been praying for since Atlantis. Okay, we have been praying for these things for millennia. And they're coming. And they're coming with joy and lightheartedness. So anytime we can open ourselves to be spacious, then we're more in the receiving. And so lightheartedness makes that spaciousness. And we can also simply open our arms and open our bodies and say, I am ready to receive what you have for me. It's a very different time from the time we've gone through. We have moved mostly from the first hexagram in the I Ching to the second. Bringing along the first. The first hexagram is creation and the second is receptivity. So we're here allowing ourselves to be taught. And as we allow ourselves to open up, one of the extraordinary things that seems to happen, and not just to me and other clairvoyants, is we begin to sense our guides around us. We begin to sense them. We can kind of feel them. Maybe we won't see them. Maybe we won't smell them. Maybe we won't hear them. Well, we can see them. I mean, we can sense them very much more easily with these new codes. And they are there to give us light and to help us and to download more codes and to help us in any situation. So that kind of openness is available to us now in a way I have never experienced before. So that gives us the faith which helps with the lightheartedness that we are being watched over and personally cared for, loved, protected, embraced, and loved more, loved and loved more, as we are in this moment, no matter what kind of mood we're in, we are there. And if we're in a bad mood, one of the things that I do is just, I want to feel the guides around me. Whoa, that's great. And in one of those times I was doing it, I was given this really lovely technique because uh, my biggest issue spiritually is being in my head. That's why I keep talking about it so much, right? Because I'm trying to get that message across. So they said, okay, the way you go to your heart is just feel your way there. But you can help yourself if you just work with your energy field a little bit and work with your hara a little bit and just move some energy around just like I'm doing. Let's try it. Just with your heart. See if this doesn't open your heart a little bit more. And then down to your hara. See if that doesn't ground you more. Because this new light that is coming in is meant to be embodied. And as we embody that, then we, we go around uh, in our daily rounds, in our daily chores, in our daily lives, spreading light, spreading joy, spreading humor, spreading lightness of spirit. And that's our task. That's our homework for this month. 
be lighthearted. I like that everyone's smiling. <laughs> You're catching on. It's, in, it's helping me. So lovely to be with you. Much love.
In a world of dogma, doctrine, and cerebral drift, we are mystics, spiritual warriors with honorable and loving hearts. Our body's 30 to 50 trillion cells are made up of atoms, the smallest part of us. And each atom is 99.99999% empty space. And the dense parts of the atom come out of nowhere and then disappear back into nowhere. This means we are endlessly physically changing from an energy-like life field into a partially physical form in dense matter, mostly not here. In fact, we are only 0.00901% physically here. We are basically holograms. We're basically walking holograms. Talk about a sense of lightness. <laughs> We're barely here. Fundamentally orienting energy fields coalescing around karma and intention. What is your intention? Couple more from the Washington Post. Abdicate to give up all hope of ever having a flat stomach. <laughs> and frisbeetarianism the belief that after death the soul flies up onto the roof and gets stuck there <laughs> paraphrasing somewhat from the presence process we are here now in this, awake and alive, we are human beings and yet so much more. We are within matter, vibration fully present and conscious. Through our shared presence, we look upon each other with love and therefore with recognition. We are here to remember you as me and me as you. Let us awaken together from the spell of time and sing the song called life eternal now and forever. May blessings abound and surround you. Filled with our mystic field today, go in peace. Open to unexpected blessings. Amid the unified field of our daily mystic experience, heart flowing with gratitude and wonder and a sense of lightness. Namaste. <laughs>